Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080. Spent the night Friday in Willington, Connecticut, where Maura Geist was. We had her on the show just a few weeks ago. Spiritual medium Maura Geist was on WTIC News Talk 1080, and she was doing her spiritual medium readings in Willington, Connecticut, at the Backing House last night. Haven't been there in a few months, but it was good to get back there. Saw a number of people who are, in fact, Morgan Cunningham, WTIC Spotlight Connecticut fans. And so it was nice to get to hang out with some fellow fans of the station and people who listened to Spotlight Connecticut and heard more on the program. And maybe some of them otherwise wouldn't have checked out the show. And, you know, don't get me wrong, it was entertaining and it was fun, but it was also emotional at the same time, given the topic. Um, But it was a great time in Willington, Connecticut, um, not too far away from Yukon. And I've been giving out Spotlight Connecticut little gift bags to guests. And so I handed one over to EC Chap, the packing house, with some WTIC water bottles in them. And they were very appreciative. They were very appreciative. It was quite a warm welcoming in Willington on Friday night, let's say. I'm Morgan Cunningham at Spotlight Connecticut. And this week, boy, do I have a tale for you. Of a woman in Manchester, she's a doctor who swam across the English Channel not once, not twice, not thrice, but a bunch of times. And more recently, she's gone from England to Belgium, 54 miles. Her story this week on Spotlight Connecticut, you don't want to miss a second. This is WTIC in Hartford. Hey everybody, this is Jimmy Bell. I play lead guitar for Autograph and House of Lords. I'm from Wethersfield, Connecticut, and I am listening to Spotlight Connecticut with my good buddy, Morgan Cunningham. What a story I have for you today. I'm Morgan Cunningham on WTIC News Talk 1080. Welcome back. Let's not waste a second more. I'm with Dr. Marcy McDonald, a podiatrist in Manchester. I think we're going to talk about that for all of a minute. What I want to focus on is how she's a long-distance swimmer. She has been for many years. And in recent years, and when I say that, I mean the last 30 years, she has done numerous swims across the English Channel. One of them last year taking her over 38 hours to do because she went over 54 miles, roughly. Dr. McDonald, welcome to the program. And, you know, this swimming thing, you've been doing it for quite some time, haven't you? I've been swimming for over 50 years, so... You know, I grew up here in Manchester and was on the rec team and did some open water swims when we were 12 years old. And it kind of went on a little bit on that, but I also just went to school and was a regular kid back in the uh, 70s and the 80s. What about it, Dr. McDonald, that got you interested in being in the water? Was it just a hobby? I remember seeing on YouTube somewhere you talked about swimming with your sister. You guys were, what, seven years old? Yes, yes. Back here in Manchester, we, my parents, you know, wanted us to uh, do something back in the 70s. And, uh, and we did ballet. We were not ballerinas, okay? So we did that for one year, but we had perfect attendance. But that summer, my sister and I went down to Verplank Pool in Manchester in the summertime, and we saw these kids, we were only seven, um, at noontime, and they didn't have to wait outside the fence to go swimming. And uh, they were part of the swim team. And ever since then, we wanted to join the swim team. So from seven to we graduated high school, um, in Manchester, we swam on the Manchester Rec swim team, and we loved it. It was just some. It was just what we did. We also played softball. 
Uh, we did some s school sports um, at Bennett and at the high school. Um, but swimming was definitely ours. When we went to, when we were in junior high in Bennett, we were not allowed to, when we were going up to the high school, we were going to be on the swim team. We were not going to be playing field hockey, which I did play field hockey in Bennett and for one year, and I loved it. But it was at the same time as swimming. And at that time, you couldn't do, like, I couldn't swim with the boys team. So now if you're, let's say you're a girl soccer player or a field hockey player or a volleyball player in the fall and you were a swimmer, you could swim with the boys, but that was a no-no back then. Well, you're seeing all of these changes and living them, right, back in the 1970s. Did you have any one coach, any one teacher that really believed in you and helped you learn how to swim? Did you do a lot of it on your own and just knew that it's something you wanted to do? Well, we were on, like I said, we were on the rec team, and our coach was Mel Siebold, and my first coach was Dave Moyer and his wife, Mary Beth Moyer. Um, that's when we were little people, you know, uh, seven, eight years old. Then we went up to the high school, and, and Mel was our coach. Mel didn't see any gender. He treated the girls the same way that he treated the boys. If you had the skills and the determination, if you were a distance swimmer, which he came from California, and he um, – he he brought open water swimming for us. He did open water swimming out in California. So he always kept an eye out for different swims, but he would never put everybody in a long distance swims. You don't put sprinters in a even a 500 freestyle or even a mile swim because they hate it. We were we were very good practice swimmers, so the distance events were our sport. Before we continue talking on about swimming, Dr. Marcy McDonald, she's our guest on Spotlight Connecticut this week. And Dr. McDonald, you're not necessarily a full-time swimmer. You swim all the time, but you're <laughs> actually a, a real doctor and you have a practice and you happen to find time for swimming. So tell everybody before we get back into the water, so to speak, what is it that you do during the week as a job? I am a podiatrist. And um, I've been practicing for over 31 years um, here in Manchester. Um, I'm a solo practitioner, one of the last of the solo practitioners. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? It is the truth. I, I'm very, very sad of what's going on with medicine right now. But um, my practice has changed, and I love working with my senior population and my special needs pit. I just came back from one of my groups uh, with all special needs um, with ID, and I just I love working with um, with them. Being a doctor and devoted to your patients, especially the way that you're a doctor, as you said, you know you're independent. You're on your own. And yet you find time for all of the swimming and yet your podiatry work. How do you balance the two worlds? Um, you know what? I had to really learn how to do it. Because I, I, when I first moved back to Manchester, and that was in 92, I was fortunate enough that I had some great teachers down in Manhattan. When I was going to the school, 
that's what they taught you. They Everybody was going to be a private practitioner. I mean, these big groups were not around at that time. And one nice thing about being a private practitioner is I can take time off that I need to do. The only problem is no one's paying me sick time or vacation time. So when I work, I work and I get paid. If I don't work, I don't get paid. So usually before I go on a swim, I'm catching up on making sure I see all my patients that might be able to get away with another two weeks with me not around. And then when I come back, it's I see a lot of people. So the first two weeks before I leave is horrible, and two weeks after I come home is horrible. (laughs) You brought up there, Dr. McDonald, your crossings, right, which you started doing those back in 1994 and practicing for them long before and building up that stamina. And um, I want to know what your day looks like, okay? So including your being a doctor, how do you start your day? Do you start it by... I don't know if you exercise, if you go straight to work, if you swim later after work, but you've got to fit time to practice in there somehow. How do you do it? What does your day look like? I'm an early bird. I am at the pool. I'm up at four. I I now have a routine, which I've been doing for 20 years, okay? Before that, I had to find what, and I actually had to find the right water. I had to find the right time periods with, you know, pools. Pools weren't always open at 5 o'clock in the morning. Um, So I had to kind of go on their schedule. But nowadays, I've got a couple pools that I can play around with that are open at 5, 5.15, and 5.30. So that's usually when I'm in the water. Um, Up at 4.15, feed the cat. Used to have a dog. I had to feed him, have my two cups of coffee, and then I'm out the door. Just be consistent. You don't have to go bonkers with your training, but you have to be consistent. So I'm talking six days a week, and you're swimming at least an hour and a half to two and a half to three hours on those six days. Being in a pool is very different, Dr. McDonald, from being in the English Channel. And so how do you make that pool reality similar to or as close as you can get it to the real thing. Remember, I grew up in a pool. So I'm used to swimming. When I was a teenager, my coach, who he would bring us to five-mile cable swims down in Virginia, and some of them went out to Indiana. I didn't get to do that one. But, um, you know, we were in a pool, a 50-meter which is the Olympic-sized pool, but you were still swimming round and round, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So I'm used to it. That's what I was brought up. That was how I was – I grew up doing that. So it's the Um, doing the laps over and over and practicing that kind of endurance, correct? Yes, yes. We would swim – 10 800s, which is 8,000 yards or 8,000 meters, um, that's five miles. So we we were in our own lane while everybody else was doing their sprinting workout, their IM workout. Your distance swimmers were over there. Dr. McDonald, our guest on Spotlight Connecticut, when you decided that, okay, I have worked myself up to these long-distance swims, it's time, where did you begin How did you decide, okay, we're going to start at this location with a long-distance swim? I'm assuming you didn't go after anything ridiculously long like the 38-hour swim, and we're going to talk about that. 
But where did you start? Did you start small or did you go after a big goal? Everything kind of drew me back to the water. I was going to school, but during the week, during the summertime, I was back in Manchester. I was lifeguarding. I, my friends who were lifeguards, they would say, Marcy was always in the pool during her break, swimming a mile. And that's true. I wasn't training for anything. It's just, I, that's just what I did. And then I just kept saying, well, okay, what's next? And then the Boston, and then somebody says, well, the Boston Harbor swim is like, you know, four weeks from now, you know, you want to sign up for that. And that was a 10 mile swim. So I gradually built up to the English channel. I didn't even think about the English channel because I was in the middle of studying. Then during the summer, we would have down at Candlewood Lake, it was a 10-mile swim down uh, for the Red Cross. So It's funny you mention that because I was wondering if you went to Candlewood Lake because it's the biggest in Connecticut. Yeah, they used to have, I did that probably, I don't know, at least three or four times. It was a great swim. You're hearing about these programs and you're saying, I can do that. So you're not just deciding on your own that you're going to go do this. You're hearing this because other people are doing it or other people are looking for people to do it, correct? you got to remember, we didn't have the internet back then. So it was a lot of hearsay. And it was just, you know, you had to actually write letters and and you had to you talk to people and and swim teams were letting other swim teams know about these swims sometimes on the weekend and remember i'm in manhattan we would cram everybody into a car and we knew that there was um some one mile swims down in greenwich every summer down in greenwich area and um you'd have some mile swims and we'd all cram out cram into these cars and and go for a swim up in connecticut <laughs> was that in long island sound that part of greenwich yes yeah so it was it was pretty interesting it was a lot of fun and we didn't have the internet it wasn't easy to access anything it was, hey, I heard about this swim. You want to go do it? Yeah, let's go do it. Well, let's start talking about your fun trips overseas. The date is June 30th, 1994. You went from England to France in the water in 10 hours, 33 minutes. So first of all, my first question, how did you go from swimming in and around New England all the way over to England and France? It was the English Channel. <laughs> We, that was the goal. Uh, in 93, I swam around Manhattan for the first time. That was kind of like the prelude of, oh, that was probably my furthest one. Okay, so that's 28 and a half easy miles around Manhattan. Remember, I just, I, I, I'm now starting my practice. So that's the main focus. Uh, swimming was just a sideline. It wasn't, um, I really thought that I was going to go to England, swim the channel, and then that was going to be it. In other words, that's what you wanted to do all your life, and you were going to do it once and never do it again. That's what you were thinking in your mind? Yeah. Yep. Done. Yep. But not what happened. Not what happened. 30 years later, I'm still doing it. Were you alone? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you have the boat that goes with you, correct? Correct. Everybody has to swim alone, okay? You all, everybody has to hire their own pilot. So let's say you wanted to swim with 
like if I wanted to swim with my sister, my twin sister, we'd have to hire two boats because that's their rules. You follow the rules, and the rules is that one swimmer, one boat. All right, well, what was your initial reaction, though? Were you reacting to the cold water? Did you not see land for a while and get worried, or did you feel perfectly at home doing this swim? And this is the first one back in 94 that we're talking about. Yeah, it was it was brand brandy brandy new to me. Um, uh, I, I was just I was just swimming. I remember getting on the boat and my pilot, and he was going to get me across. And so he asked me how fast I swam a mile. I said I don't know about 22 minutes. I said oh it's going to take you about um, 13 to 15 hours. I said I'm not going to be in this water for 13 hours. And it wasn't because of speed. I said, I don't want to be in this water for 13 hours. And I was young. I was very young. I was only 30 years old. I was fast. And I just swam. That's all I did. I put my head down and swam. That was my business. My crew, which were my parents and my brother and my sister, they fed me. We stopped every, I don't even remember how, you know, you have to take in feeds. So you have to stop for a short period of time. But you can't um, touch the boat, correct? Right. They because if you touch the boat, then you forfeit. Exactly. Yeah. So how yeah. do you eat in the open water? Do they throw the food down? What What do you eat in this kind of situation? Well, now I do a lot of liquefied nourishment. Um, at that point, I was probably doing Gatorade, and I was doing goo. I don't know if you remember goo. That was like a runner's thing. It used to come in little packets, and it was just like, a ton of calories in this like four tablespoons of paste. I don't do that anymore. Now I'll actually stop and have a bite of toast or or even a sandwich, peanut butter and honey sandwich. But they just hand it to me and I have to tread water and that's when I take in my food or my drink. Honey, you you just got to get the calories in. And that's one thing that swimmers have a hard time with. Uh, no You've got to get it in you. You have to. If you're out there and there's absolutely no land, you can't stop off at McDonald's. You can't stop at Whole Foods. You've got to take whatever they can give you. And sometimes you just have to. You, you do. You have to trust in your crew. Our guest this week on Spotlight Connecticut is Dr. Marcy McDonald. She's in Manchester. But we're really not talking about her work as a podiatrist. We're talking about how she swim across the English Channel. We're going to dig more into it, particularly that trip she took last year. You have no idea how excited I am to see Frankie Valley again at Mohegan Sun. Boy, what a show it was two years ago. He was 87, and it sounded as if it was 1967 when he was singing the songs way back when, all the big hits that he had with the Four Seasons and again in the 70s, like that one, My Eyes Adored You. And, um, boy, he sounded fresh, and he had energy on that stage. And now, two years later, obviously, he is age 89, just had a birthday, turned 89 earlier this month. Uh, You have no idea how excited I am for that. The evening of June 2nd of 2023, Frankie Valley at Mohegan Sun Arena. It was quite a show, and uh, played all the hits and then some. I knew every song, and I was afraid he wasn't going to play Ragdoll, but that was right near the end. 
So for those of you who think that he's not going to play Ragdoll if you're at the show, <laughs> rest assured, he will play Ragdoll. Quick shout-out on Spotlight Connecticut before we get back to Dr. Marcy McDonald, our long-distance swimmer who has gone across the English Channel a bunch of times. I'd like to say hi to the Coldbrook Village in Hebron, Connecticut, which is an assisted living facility and a senior living facility. Dr. McDonald was there this morning, and it's my understanding she gave Spotlight Connecticut a plug. So... I'm willing to bet that somebody there is tuned in and turned on to Spotlight Connecticut listening to more of Dr. Marcy McDonald. So, Dr. McDonald, thank you for being an advocate of the program and all that you do. We'll be back on WTIC News Talk 1080. This is WTIC in Hartford. Hi, this is Kathleen in Norwalk, and I'm listening to Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. One thing I meant to say when I was talking about Frankie Valley just a few minutes ago, real quick, I was... In the majority, in that I'm under the age of 50, I'm 26 years old, and there were more people under the age of 50 than over 50. So if you have this idea that Frankie Valley is a show for folks who are older, and there's nothing wrong with that, but uh, you would be absolutely wrong. That arena was jam-packed of people who are interested in his music, largely because of the Jersey Boys, the musical that came out and reached a whole new generation and a whole new audience of people. So again... Really looking forward to hanging out with so many Frankie Valley fans in one place at Mohegan Sun on June 2nd. It's a Friday night. I will be there. I get, I'm get. i getting floor seats. I don't care what the cost is. I'm getting those floor seats. Absolutely. All right, we're back to the talk show with Dr. Marcy McDonald at Spotlight Connecticut. She has been swimming across the English Channel now for some time since back in 1994. Dr. McDonald, was there ever a time where you felt, I don't know if you were hungry and this is why you felt that way, but maybe you were tired or maybe you felt like, I'm not going to be able to finish this and uh, for whatever reason or the water was too cold or the weather wasn't good, did there ever come a point in any of these, because you did a number of these trips overseas where you did these crossings in 9, 10, 12, 13 hours, and then we'll get to the big one in a minute, which took you over 35 hours. But was there ever a time where you said, Dr. McDonald, I'm done, I'm touching that boat? There was only one time. Uh, it was in 1999, my second attempt at, as a, at a double crossing. Uh, it was a year from hell. Uh, literally over there in England, we had a drowning uh, about a week before I swam, I I had met the girl who 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 drowned from Mexico. And people, it was just a horrible. It was just a horrible year. But anyway, and that it, weighed on your psyche? No, not really. Not that didn't really play on my psyche. But the weather was also bad. The pilot that I had, which was the only time that I ever have veered away from Mike Gorham, was to this other guy, I he probably should have put me in the water um, way before the day that he did. Um, but there was an accident the night before I swam. I swam, it, we started at like 11 o'clock at night. And that day before, that night before, there was an accident 30 miles north of us between a cruise liner and a cargo ship, those container ships. 30 of those containers, which they have no idea, were in the water. And I've never been so sick in my life. 
in, in the water. I was throwing up. It was I I, had, I only stayed in the water for three hours. I could not. I I, I was throwing up. It, it, I, I swear the water was it was contaminated and and that's that. But you can't tell because it was black. It was you know it was midnight. So that's the only time I actually touched the boat and said I'm done. Okay. It wasn't worth it. Everybody on the boat, my crew was saying, what is that smell? I mean, it was, you know, the, the water just just smelled like oil. That's uh, awful. Dr. McDonald, are you ever worried? You mentioned that there are other ships out there, obviously. I mean, you're not alone. This is water that is traveled. Are you ever worried about, I hate to say, you know, a collision or um, too much traffic and it becomes difficult to swim? never worried about collisions okay because the pilots have to report into the coast guard every half an hour and it is like clockwork i mean it is amazing to watch it the first as you mentioned before what happened on the first time i didn't see anything but i know the boats were out there uh because my brother told me i i wasn't seeing them dr mcdonald you're out there at one, two, three in the morning. It's pitch black. The water's dark. The water's cold. How do you know that you can just keep persevering even though you can't see really much ahead of you or behind you or around you? That is hard. It's at nighttime it is the hardest part time and your depth perception is way off. So that's I find is the worst about it. I can. I think I might be closer to the boat, or or further away from the boat, and then all of a sudden the boat is right there. So the vision, your vision is is pretty way off. It's it's off. Well, like, um, are you afraid of sharks or snakes or anything like that? No, not in the channel. Not at all. Not at all. I'm not. I mean, you're going to get stung by jellyfish, and you're you know, there's more pollution over there. <laughs> a lot of pollution. Yeah, I should also mention. That, Dr. McDonald, you're swimming in the purest form, as you say, one bathing suit, one cap, one goggle. So there's no wetsuit, no performance enhancements. Are you not allowed to do that, or is that a personal preference? Uh, if you want to be in the same category that Matthew Webb and, and, and everybody from the past are categorized, which, I, I mean, I never even thought about wearing a wetsuit. I don't own a wetsuit. That's what you do. Wetsuits are not the best thing to wear for 12 hours or 15 hours. There's a lot of constriction. And the last couple drownings that we've had in the channel have been people who were in wetsuits. In 2022, you became the first person in the world to swim from the U.K. over to Belgium a 54-mile crossing from Ramsgate, England, to Depan, Belgium. Took you 38 hours, 20 minutes. Wow. Yeah, long time. Now, how did you decide that this was the route that you were going to do if other people have tried it but not successfully? <laughs> I was the only one who's tried it. There, oh, you there. are? Yeah, yeah, I was the only one who tried. Uh, we tried something in 2018. We tried to start at St. Margaret's, and we swam toward Calais. I got hurt, um, but 
it still was in my head that I wanted to do this swim. Um, and my pilot, Mike Orm, he truly, uh, he likes challenges like that. So I'm the swimmer and he's the navigator. His challenge is to find a course that's going to get me there safely. Okay. Um, he did have about, I think it was about three weeks earlier, a relay that followed the same course. So we knew it could happen, but a relay is six people, you know, alternating times. So it took them a lot less time because they didn't get hit by the six hour, um, the six hour tide that I got hit by, but that's okay too. And I was all by myself. The pilot, he's the navigator, and I am just the fish. And again, I'm trusting in his decisions. I'm looking at the list that you sent me of all of your different solo crossings, 18 yeah. of them as of 2022. And the longest one that I'm seeing here, if I'm missing something, then let me know. But the longest one I'm seeing is 13 hours, 25 minutes, which was July 31st, 2007, another trip from England to France over the channel. And here you are going 38 hours and 20 minutes for something significantly longer. That is more than twice, maybe three times. I'm not doing the math correctly in my head, I don't think, but that is almost three times as long as what you usually did on the longest end. My my brain knew I was going to be in the water for 30 hours. That's the hard part is whether you your body can withstand that amount. And there were times I wanted to get out of the water. My my crew talked me back and uh, talked me out of it. You know, I'm like, and it wasn't a very pleasant day out there. What were the conditions day. like? Well, we had probably a good two foot chop uh, many times. It wasn't a it wasn't flat calm, put it that way. So when I was swimming for that five hours or six hours just in front of Dunkirk, it was relatively flat because the wind had changed and it was just with the tide, except the tide was against me and I wasn't going anywhere. But it was an easy swim. It was, I don't even remember any of that five hours. I, I, I don't remember much other than my hallucinations that I had. Well, I was going to say, you're awake now for nearly 40 hours. That's impressive in itself. I think the most I've ever been awake straight was probably 26, 27 hours, and you start to get a little weird. And I am certainly not swimming 54 miles, and, and, and you were. So what is going through your mind? You're going on that kind of a long trip, and you're swimming, and you're trying to reach this goal what are you thinking? They had to stop me when it was about 3 o'clock. It might have been 2 o'clock in the morning on, on the 25th. And that was when they informed me that we were not going to move forward. Now, I could have swam to Dunkirk. I had 400 yards to the shore. I was right in front of the shore. I could have swam to the shore and still been a very long swim. First person to swim to Dunkirk. But I wasn't hurt. I wasn't cold and I wasn't sick. And those are my three things that I've always told myself, I will get out if if I can't stand it anymore or if I'm really hurt. But your but, mind was starting to go a little bit. Is that what you're saying? Oh, yes, yes. My But 
at that point, I was just so sleepy. I, I did fall asleep. I, I dozed off like you doze off in school. In the water? Yeah, I woke up very quickly. I, I, I it, You know, like when your head nods and you're like talking. Or yes, yes, of course. You're in a classroom that, you know, it's really a boring lecture. And you're, you know, all of a sudden you wake up, you know. You, My science geology class in college. Go on. <laughs> well, that's exactly what has, did happen to me. Thank God it got sunny. It the, the 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 it was the sky was starting to lighten up in a couple hours, and that just having the sky lighten up helps you with your spirits. You now, and when you I, made it at the end, how did you feel physically, mentally, emotionally? Were you even able to take in everything that had just happened? It was so quiet. It was such a quiet celebration. We only, you know. The people that we met on the beach literally thought we probably were just playing in the water and we were just walking out of the water onto the beach. I don't make a big deal out of my swims primarily because I know the possibility of failure is higher than success, especially with something like that. I don't make any T-shirts about anything because I've done that in the past and it didn't work. What about your skin? You get out of the water. It's so cold. It's salty. And you've been in there for almost 39 hours straight. You're coming out like a prune, I'm sure. But I saw a picture of you. You looked really, I, I mean, you had a look of fatigue on your face, but you did look at the same time a little um, relaxed, uh, a little yeah. refreshed. But what about like your, your skin there? I had so many muscle cramps then that I don't, my skin is usually pretty good. It's the skin inside your throat. That's, that's, I mean, if, if I come down with throat cancer someday, I know where it came from. It came from the channel. Does it take a long time for it to clear up a few days, a week or two? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's almost like having a strep throat and most swimmers that do it for the first time are like, what is going on with my throat? I can't swallow. You know, it's 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 just everything is so swollen where you want to swallow. Okay, you can still and hopefully you're breathing and and I am breathing. People who get into problems um, in in any open water swimming is they're they actually inhale water that goes into their lungs and they um, will have pulmonary edema. I had a hard time getting out of the water. I wanted to walk out of the water. Now, you, the main thing is getting out of the water. Um, you can crawl, and I almost had to crawl, but I was able to put my legs, my feet down on, on the shore. Thank God I didn't have rocks because it was a nice sandy bottom. All right, Dr. McDonald, it has been an absolute pleasure talking with you. My last question for you, what's next? And I am looking forward to it. Oh, nice. I haven't done a solo swim for 10 years. I, I try to uh, organize relays for the St. Vincent's Medical Center Foundation. And it's a wonderful, uh, I'm always, I'm involved with it almost every single year for the last 21 years. Um, I've done two solos, and I said, well, you know what? I think it's time for me to do a solo. It's, it's, I do, like, one every decade. So that's this year. 
and oh, I might be going back to England next year. Next year's my 30th anniversary. That's so right, like, 2024. Your first was 94. I like to do anniversary swims. There's a part of me that would like to do 20 crossings, and then I'll reevaluate. <laughs> but I reevaluate after every year. <laughs> so, I mean, if I'm hurt, I'm I'm not going to swim. So, you And know, you do I, this usually for charity, right? Yes. I usually do something for, for St. Vincent's. And um, last year, it was just the Swim for Hope, the primarily Hope for the World, Be Kind to People. I, I just really wanted a kind of world. That's really what I wanted, a kind of world. Um, and maybe someday it will happen. But I'm always, I, I guess I'll always be swimming for hope. Dr. McDonald, I really appreciate your coming on Spotlight Connecticut this week to talk all about your swimming, and maybe we'll do another update with you down the line. Okay, next week. I'm not even going to say much because I don't want those TV stations stealing an idea from me before I get my exclusive on this. Accordions in Connecticut. That's all I'm going to tell you next week on Spotlight Connecticut. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080.